0: Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses
2: and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Good morning and welcome to Beyond Governance. My name is Numera Tepele. Welcome to this week's installment. Uh, On this show, we seek to bring uh, thought leaders and captains of industry with vast experience and insights on how to tackle some of the very complex social and economic issues, uh, particularly from the governance uh, lenses. Before we get into the gist of our conversation today, let's dispense with gratitude to my colleagues. Fusuma Singer, thank you very much, as well as Harry, who are helping to navigate the show to to be broadcasted uh, seamlessly. And given the nature of our uh, obviously our conversations, I always implore the beloved listener to weigh in and share their thoughts on on what they that what they what they would have observed. Our SMS line is 34519 and your thoughts and views are most welcome by my Twitter handle, which is Dr. Mbeleck. And uh, as we proceed, in today's conversation, putting a spotlight on fake qualification, which is a subject that has been trending, unfortunately, not for good reasons. You might recall about a week or so ago, the former economic advisor of President Gwena Moposa instigated a media frenzy, a kind of avalanche, if you like, by, you know, lying about her qualifications. Leoka was accused of faking her PhD degree, which purposely she obtained it from London School of Economics. And in making sense of this quagmire, um, I'm joined by Son Moby, who is a brand expert and CEO at the Hill Africa. Um, perhaps, maybe, in just setting the scene, one recognize very fully that uh, LOCA is not an exception, fortunate as it is, but it has become a common practice both in public and private sector organizations. We all know that. Increasingly, employers are finding that employees, particularly those in senior management roles, and pretty much elsewhere, um, have misrepresented their expertise, skills, and and experiences, particularly uh, on their qualifications. Now, Leoka, sadly, joined a lead of fraudsters. Just to highlight one or two, one we have had the net CEO Serge Balaband, you know, who had who headed the company since 2000, 2000 and he claimed to have had uh, his PhD from Berks University. And the other controversial figure, I'm sure you might remember, Professor head of engineering Daniel Mtimkulu, who also came to have had a PhD from, you know, from Germany, who can also forget Paul Jordan. Who served as the Minister of Postal and Postal Communication and Broadcasting, as well as the Minister of Environmental Affairs. He also lied about um, or having obtained PhD uh, from London School of Economics, and the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, the likes of Cloud training who also we, can, we also can't afford high-profile ambassador to Japan, uh, Peku who also claimed to have had a PhD from La Salle University, the university that was closed back in 1996. She eventually came back and apologized for misrepresenting her qualifications in her CV. So Loka's um, joining quite a number of high-profile individuals who somehow massaged their CVs to misrepresent themselves. And um, on that note, let's take this opportunity to welcome Brasol Mulobi. Good morning, sir, and how are you this glorious morning?
3: Good morning, my good doctor, and good morning to high fm listeners.
2: Professor, I've painted that picture. You know, first and foremost, just overview, how big is this phenomenon of massaging or falsifying CVs in, in South Africa?
3: It is very big, and even if we just look at post-1994, in fact, we have just mentioned all those cases that all happened post-1994. I think it, it's very big, but also beyond that, let me also throw in the mix the perception created by other people claiming to be specialists in, in certain areas. Um, in this instance, I'll, I'll quote Chris Hart. Who was perceived and branded himself as an economist and he worked as a chief economist for one of the banks and later on it was discovered that actually he never studied economics and he studied B.A.C. and a postgraduate diploma in education majoring in in physical science and i'm just mentioning uh the chris hart case for us to move away from from the perception in the mainstream media and in on social media in general where we have this unfortunate tendency as south africans uh to to attach racial undertones to any mistakes that any one of us could be making so the problem it is beyond um, race qualification and it's a human phenomenon. Uh, it's, a, it's a problem that needs to be tackled uh, without anyone uh, attaching racial undertones to it. The second point that I want to put into the mix is the issue of honorary doctorates. You universally, if you awarded an honorary doctorate, the public can refer to you as Dr. Sorenso. You are only an honorary doctorate holder when you are attending events at the university that granted you that honorary doctorate. It's one problem, and and most of these honorary doctorates are dished out to people by phony colleges, and of, of late, um, you have this unregistered religious colleges dishing out honorary uh, doctorates to people. In fact, if you go into these charismatic churches in the townships and villages you'll find that there are up to five uh, bishops, and all of them are referred to as Dr. Soren So and Dr. Soren So. And when you find out where they studied, then you discover that uh, they were awarded honorary doctorates by these fictitious uh, religious colleges. But also in the private sector, I personally also receive every year an invitation to go to Dubai to attend a week-long uh, workshop, and at the end of that workshop, um, they say that they you will be awarded with an honorary doctorate. And I've seen people uh, on social media also sharing that out of ex- excitement, and I'll always advise them uh, against that. So these are real problems. In fact. There are two leaders that I always refer people to as examples, it is Nelson Mandela and Tabo Mbeki, who received honorary doctorates from many institutions, but they never insisted uh, on them being called Dr. Mandela or Dr. Mbeki. But on the other side, you had Prince Mungo Mutelezi, who signed every document as Dr. Gacha Butelezi, even though it was just an honorary um, doctorate, which was bestowed upon him. So these are the issues that we need to deal with as South Africa. There is only one country, because I've spoken about um, universal principle, there's only one country which is an exception, and this is Italy. The tradition there is that if you have a junior degree, then they refer to you as Dr. so-and-so. And then if you have the, the actual PhD or any doctorate qualification, then they refer to you as a specialist, you know. I remember when I, I served as a consul general in in Italy, and I always yeah, requested journalists that when they quote me, they should just quote me as Sol Mulubi, not as... As Dr. Sol Mulubi, because <laughs> it will create impressions all over the world <laughs> that how all suddenly claiming to have a doctorate when actually I wouldn't have claimed that I had a, a doctorate, but it's only the tradition in Italy that if you are, absolutely. A student, then you no, no, thank you very
2: people. much, uh, so for those kinds of insight, which lays a very really good foundation for conversation. Let's pay our bills. We'll come back in just in a second. Beyond Governance,
0: Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the
1: unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus
2: 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, I'm joined by Solomon Obi, who is a brand specialist, also a CEO at Brand Hill Africa. And, you know, the the center of our conversation on this day uh, is really about the death and death of public figures falsifying uh, their qualifications. And, uh, you know, we just got a sense that this is actually a massive problem. And um, Saul just made reference to um, some racial undertones that um, there's this perception, you know, um, in a broader society that this uh falsification of qualifications um has it's more inclined towards a particular race uh, and yet it's a human being phenomenon to be most to be more precise it also gives us a good sense of how honor how honorary uh, doctorates ought to be Considered for an example, he put it to us that if you've been uh, conferred honorary doctorate, you can't go around calling yourself a doctor outside the scope of that particular university, or you can only be referred to as a doctor by attending attending events of uh, the university that bestowed that particular PhD. And I suppose you can also take the same title when you've been invited by other academia because. That's that's the space in which. But unfortunately, a lot of people uh, seem to be very misleading in a way by just assuming or taking on this title of being called a doctor, uh, even if it was just an honorary doctor. He made a very good example by making reference to Nelson Mandela and Takenbeki who, in their structure, have been conferred or awarded numerous uh, uh, honorary doctorate, and yet they did not use those particular titles. Of course, except the late uh, Mangosuto Butelezi, who, who insisted that he needed to be called um, Dr. Butelezi. But be that as it may, as we proceed. So the other big issue, let's look at Loga's incident. I mean, she had two master's degrees. In her own space, she was already an achiever. What could have been the reason, you know, why she had to lie about having a PhD when society already respected her, the kind of work that she's done, Look what she's done to lose or what she has lost already. What could have been the reason? I mean, I'm, we're speculating here, but it just it's mind-boggling that an achiever of no, an achiever of that stature goes on and falsifies qualifications. Your take on that.
3: Yeah, you know what hurts me or saddens me the most is that most of these people who fake degrees are extremely intelligent. Even if they didn't mention that they they had those fake degrees, people would still buy into their personal brands.
2: Absolutely.
3: Uh, in the early 1990s, you remember Eugenia, the political. <laughs> who was exceptionally good and yes um paulo jordan um who was a minister was exceptionally so he didn't need to claim to to possess a phd for people to buy into his thoughts it is only in an instance where someone is highly incompetent that Everyone then will begin to question whether they do have such qualifications. The recent case was the CEO of uh, Johannesburg Roads Agency, who who was just very incompetent. And you have spoken about the engineer at at Prasa who ordered trains with wrong specifications, And at one stage, we also had the the SABC chairperson. But unfortunately, the damage is very huge, and one may even, it is irreparable. This is the damage to our personal brand. And perhaps if I was to to go into the space of, 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 of branding, is that a branding exercise is necessary when your vision or what you communicate yourself to be, meaning the identity that you communicate to say, this is Saul Mulubi, then is in contrast to your behavior as as someone who doesn't uh, behave as a person who's supposed to be behaving, uh, the identity already communicated. When there is that disjuncture between the two, then this impact on a negative image and in this instance we are talking about that personal brand image that that you were hoping to achieve it becomes very negative now if you look at what all these guys are doing they they lie to jack up their their brand their personal brand reputation and they do this so that they can effectively differentiate themselves from everybody else in in the space they are in and they do this to build their, their credibility and for people to be aware of, of their competencies and their stature, even though that stature is largely based on, on a fake qualification. They want people to trust them. And obviously they are doing this so that their personal brand can open career opportunities for them. And then you also have these people um, having a presence in the mainstream media because then they are extensively quoted. And when you are extensively quoted nowadays, then we know that you will have an online presence. And we know in the world of today, If you have an appointment with Saul Mulubi, you will always Google him before he arrives so that you know who this person is that you will be engaging with.
2: Can I just interject then, because you're making a very pertinent point, uh, Saul. You know, because it is common cause that if you hold a particular high profile in society, your background and so on and so forth, it's within a click of a button away. Surely, in this day and age, I, I I struggle to comprehend, you know, the kind of lies that people put forth to try and create this facade about the, their public image. When everybody knows that you can Google anybody, anytime. And if you're really into that particular individual, you are likely to find the truth and expose the truth. If this is my assumption, you know, that everything is within reach and the damage that you've referred to, which is irreparable, surely a perpetrator of that kind of you know qualification qualification mayhem would know better.
3: Yes, that's the assumption. I remember there was this American TV show that that one of our broadcasters flighted the silly mistakes that criminals make. And you'll find that a person has planned this robbery very meticulously. And, and thereafter, they make a silly mistake. Uh, you remember, even in South African real life, this happened. Um, when there were those cash heists and police investigated, suddenly this unemployed guy who is well-known in, in his village as someone who is struggling, Suddenly bought one of the only three models of a car that were imported into South Africa, and he bought it for cash, <laughs> and that then alerted, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's, you, you make a silly, you find that yes, the the person is highly intelligent, and the person is well aware of the implications of the uh, action or utterances. And from there, they'll just make, yeah, a silly mistake that exposes them. But in the case of Tabi in the case of, of Pablo Jordan, I'm disappointed in our state security because I've worked in, in the public service for, for 20 years, and I know that when you occupy a particular position, there's you have to comply with what you call minimum security standard. This is a uh, vetting uh, done by by the Department of State uh, Security. And in that instance, um, someone who are, who are like Tabilok like, Lok uh, or Palo Jordan, who was a minister, our security establishment could have alerted, uh, the principals, in the case of Palo Jordan, the president of the country who gets regular briefings to say there's a problem with Sorenso's qualification. And for me, especially with the two, I would say it even constitutes a security breach because you have these people who are occupying the senior positions and they interact and meet with the president all the time, and yet they haven't done the necessary vetting on them. The same applies to the corporates that appointed TABI into various boards. They can't tell me that they haven't vetted them. You know, even just basic vetting, uh, they were supposed to do that to check their qualifications. And this is what is happening uh, in the real world. If I'm applying for a job, I submit my CV and then the institution will reach out to all those universities that I've mentioned that, that I've received my qualifications from. Now, the excuse given by the, the spokesperson for the presidency that they didn't need to vet Tabi Loka because uh, the National um, this commission um, Advisory Commission that she served on wasn't a statutory... Even that
2: kind of justification, it just makes a mockery of any institution of, of that stature. Because ultimately, it's about the reputation of the institution. Uh, now the president is being brought into this mess. You know, how does the, the spokesperson navigate that particular space? Because everything's now pointing to the institution, every now it's pointing to the president, of it. the president surely has got enough on his hand to be swayed away from his core business by this kind of shenanigans.
3: Yes, with my experience from the public service, as I mentioned, in fact, heads were supposed to roll because they have compromised the security of the president but also they have compromised the reputation of the presidency itself
2: precisely
3: and people were to be held accountable under normal circumstances instead of just dismissing it with, with an excuse that no they didn't need to to vet that person this is unacceptable unfortunately in south africa then we someone needs to compile a list of of common excuses and that list will be in 15 volumes but i know top on the list will be one conspiracy two we will racialize um our uh, the problem instead of dealing with it you know and which is so unfortunate and also and I know in the, in, in the political public space, they love talking about this, that your institution can't take action against you until you are criminally charged. They forget that um, we need to uphold a, a set of morals and values that everybody in the country should subscribe to. And this goes back to the variable of behavior or of your culture that I spoke about earlier on. That if you are misbehaving or if you don't uphold certain norms and certain values, uh, you are as guilty as that person who is criminally charged and convicted. And for that reason, you, if you are holding public office, you have to step down.
2: Unfortunately, that's not the case in South Africa. On that note, uh let go pay our bills back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa
0: is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of
1: decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the
2: science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance, Nimrok Okonkwo here. I am joined by Sol Obi brand expert, as well as the CEO at Brandio Africa. We talking about this issue of falsification of qualification and its implications on personal brand and institutional brand, as it were. And um, this comes at the backdrop of uh, you know the the stuff that you've seen in media about the advisor to the president, um, economic advisor to the president, Tabi Oka, who perpetually such as that she got a PhD uh, from, from, from uh, London University of Economics, which tends to be not the case. And before we took that break, Saul made two very important points. One is the, the, the state security as well as a corporate, corporate vetting system, if you like. For people like uh Padon people like shavalala who used to be the CEO, uh, the chairperson at ACBC, people like Shauli, these are individuals who held high position in government institutions, and of which had they been, you know, uh, vetted properly, had they met what Saul referred to as minimum security standard, they would have alarm bells would have rung and those people would not have like, occupied those particular positions. And which says to me, uh, there's a high uh, uh, risk tolerance within the system. Because if the risk tolerance um, from, uh, in terms of branding of institution and branding, personal branding of individuals associated with those particular institutions, surely this thing uh, would not have happened. And if they did happen, a so of political point out had ought to have robbed. But in this country... We see mass over and over again. And instead of hedge rodding, people are being rewarded by being given ambassadorial position. We've seen it. And again, Saul puts it put it to us that even at a corporate level, often come across as an entity that, that does everything in its power to uphold certain values, and which also looks at vetting individuals. Clearly, there's more and more of this. there's more and more of this glitches within the vetting system that makes it difficult to actually uphold or to to have confidence in this kind of of system. As we come back, Brasol, based on the issues that you have um, alluded to, uh, in the public space, another dimension that you raised, which is quite interesting, is the fact that the culprits have a justification which says if it's not found guilty by those particular, but if not found guilty by the court of law, I suppose it makes it correct. And what they're undermining in the process in their own, it's the the value systems, you know, that you have to be a man of stature or woman of stature. To be principled, you have to account to the people. You know, first and foremost, you have to be uphold certain values that you yourself need to, you need to lead by example or exemplary kind of Clear, Clearly, surely, the kind of justification that you've seen suggest that people aren't aware that by virtue of wanting to be crucified for lack of a better word by courts of law as an arbiter does undermine their own values. Am I correct to sum it up based on, on my based on what you've just uttered?
3: So you are absolutely correct. You know the the essence of a brand is is dependent on all those attributes that you you have just alluded to. Someone also said um, a brand is a promise and a promise kept. This is how he defined what the brand is. And basically, if I right now I'm presenting myself as a branding specialist and the listeners will then say what justifies Saul calling himself a, a brand specialist. If they were to dig deep into the world of Uncle Google and then they discovered that there's nothing that justifies me to claim that I'm a branding specialist, then it means my whole reputation uh, will be completely destroyed. But just to say that I I have a Master of Science degree in in global marketing from, from Liverpool University, and I always call you my good doctor because I do know that you have a PhD from Vets University, so it's not an honorary um, <laughs> doctorate from from a phony uh, or fake college somewhere. Out in the world
2: do you know the funny thing about um this qualification because um i attended a meeting not so long ago it was after this uh Tabi Luga story and one of the guys that i was with in that particular meeting high level meeting he says to me hey you know we've had so many of these uh, so-called doctors uh, you know, hovering around uh, in our midst so chief Wena, what's your story you know mm-hmm. in a light moment but there's a deeper value issue behind that because which means nobody trusts you anymore. You know, you have to unless, you know, like you obviously we have worked together in some other spaces, you you, you have done your own background check on the on a numerous case. You you can obviously attest that none no, of this one is, you know, is not one of those. But if you are in a space where nobody has done work with you or have done any background check on you, you are always finding yourself at the back foot, you know, you always have to justify your existence because you wear, you have this title called uh, Doctor of Philosophy and stuff like that. And and it's such a, a painful exercise for those that have legitimately got the degree, have worked very hard and they've got, you know, they're coming from institutions that are of value or institutions that are credible. Um, here at home and internationally, and and to be compared with some phony guys coming from obscure corners, um, you know of his, of of this land, dishing out you know pieces of paper, and people branding themselves as that, I just find it very unfortunate and annoying to say the least.
3: Now, what people don't know is that, and I'll quote Shakespeare, he says, reputation is the immortal part of your existence. He says everything else is basial. And then in in Macbeth, he also says, the evil that men do lives after them. He said this centuries ago, but if you look at online media right now, this is very true because 100 years from now, People will still Google or whatever platform uh, they will be using 100 years from now. And when they say, Dr. Nimrod Mbele, the evil that you are doing right now, they'll be reading about it even then. So meaning, even if you have passed on, the evil that you have done will still be alive. And people will always attach the evil that you did to your brand, meaning your brand won't have a reputation at all. So people need to know that they need to cherish their reputation. They need to cherish their brands. And this is all you can do by just being honest, by valuing integrity, by subscribing to, to societal norms and buying into values. And this these constructs are universal. You can say they are contextual, that in our context, we don't have to respect this particular norm or, or that value. We live in a global community, and whatever ill you make in South Africa, trust me, with the international and global reach of through social media, the whole world will know about the ills that you have committed in South Africa. And I
2: couldn't agree with you more. And going back to the point, um, the quotes from Shakespeare, where you said a reputation is, is a is the mortal part of your existence. And let's go back to some of the culprits um that that we've spoken about because here we are, some of these things have happened some 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 years ago, but here we are, we're talking about them. The met one CEO, Serge Parliament, we're still talking about it today. Daniel uh, Mituncul from Prasa, we're still talking about today. Paulo Jodan, we're still talking about today. Saudi at SABC, we're still talking about it today. Mohao Peko you know, who used to be the ambassador to Japan, your counterpart, uh, but, you know, um, to Japan, um, who claimed to have had a PhD from uh, LaSalle University. We're still talking about them today. So these are obviously, um, it's actually attest to the code that you've just made from Shakespeare about the inability of people to live up to the brand which they promised uh, to people, and which is important because here's another uh, issue which maybe some of us don't think further than, than than our noses. What does this mean for our children? If um, skeletons are gonna come out about what we did some some many moons ago, you know, our our children uh, suffers our, our uh, if you married or your partner suffers, your family suffers, there's this avalanche of humiliation that will linger on. It's like a stench that never uh, goes away. It doesn't matter what kind of a perfume you apply. You can have the most sophisticated, the most expensive perfume, but the reputational stench stays with you uh, and it stays with your family, stays with anybody else who have been associated with you. So who, who, if you are in a public space, that's something that comes up first. Oh, by the way, that's Saul Molobi. Remember that crook? So there's nothing of substance because you become reduced to that particular issue. And, and I, don't, I wonder if people think beyond themselves because they're just bringing everybody else. They bring their partners into the space. They bring their children into the space. They bring their friends into the space. They bring pretty much everybody who knew them into the space having to defend or make some kind of justification as to why this person did that what would it take for us to think beyond our own selfish end and say we bring in so many people our parents our siblings uh and so on and so forth what would it take for us to have that conscious mind that if i lie this way i i'm bringing everybody in
3: no if you you go into our african traditional communities the the family is the nerve center of each and every community the, this is so important that even as an individual you are judged according to their prisms of of their family if your family doesn't have a very good reputation the community will struggle to see you positively, then unfortunately then this places the onus on you to prove beyond reasonable doubt that you are not like everybody else in your own family. The, the flip side of it is that, like you have indicated, even if my my family is, is reputable and I do something untoward, That will impact on my entire family. And that's why they will say you have brought your family name into disrepute. But the most excruciating pain uh, from talking to colleagues in the education sector is the impact of our untoward behavior on our children at school, especially if they are in high school. Remember, high school learners nowadays take their cell phones with them. They are all always on social media. They will read about the father or a mother of so and so who has done this, and and children, being children, they will end up teasing that child. You know, so usually we need to to, to think about about the impact of our behavior on, on our, our children, especially in this environment where there is a free flow of information about everyone and anything in this country. So, But for me, uh, in South Africa, I, in, in 1994, the country established what they call moral regeneration movement. And unfortunately, this movement hasn't been sufficiently resourced to go across the length and breadth of our country to build a a new morality, the kind of morality that this country requires for, for its own development. And it's so said that 30 years after our freedom, we see the re-emergence of racial polar- po- polarization in the country. We see the, the re-emergence of of tribalism, and we see crime having escalated to levels never known before. And for me, this all speaks about our 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 morals set as a country that we aren't doing uh, enough. We also need to say to our people, uh, yes, we are free, but we should also know that uh, freedom has its own limitations. Uh, It's not absolute freedom. And yes, we empower everyone and everyone has freedom of speech, has all these rights that are enshrined in our constitution, but at the same time, there are limitations uh, to those. So this is what the moral regeneration movement should be uh, embarking upon as a mass mobilization campaign. And in that instance, then we will say, indeed, we are a free, responsible and accountable citizenry of South Africa. No, thank you
2: very much for that input, so um, It's quite intriguing in so many ways. Um, I'm sure um, the listener, whether in the car, in office, wherever you are, as you listen to this uh, conversation, you you are called upon to rethink uh, and remodel yourself in the best ways possible, so that you are not caught up in these kind of issues that we're talking about with with Saul. They're quite scary, they're quite deep, and they're quite vast, and the the, the, the Ramification, so to say, are quite scary, to say the least. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance,
0: making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered
1: the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward.
2: Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back uh, uh, to Beyond Governance, Nimrod Bella Here I am joined by Sola Mulobi, who is a brand uh, specialist. We are probing very deeply, very disturbing issues that we've picked up in our in our media space. Uh, this has got to do with misrepresentations of qualifications. We have heard uh, over a week or so ago that the well, the former uh, economic advisor of uh, president, uh, Ramaphosa, falsified her qualification, and she does join a straight. Of high profile individuals whose reputation has been severely damaged, uh, to use uh, Saul's utterances, the damage is, is irreparable. Before we took that break, Saul uh, made a very interesting observation that it is important that we represent where we come from, we represent the families, because the families are a nuclear, uh, which community would judge you based on where you come from. I mean, you're quite correct, um, Saul, being in an African, whatever I do, I represent. My family, and if I bring my family's name into distribute, it's very difficult for them as well, because I would have sold out, so to speak. So it is quite important that we, we are also aware uh, of those kind of issues. You then also raise a very important point as to perhaps maybe the symptom of um, this avalanche of a misrepresentation is the fact that our moral fibre society is is either decaying or has decayed. And hence, you you made reference to the need to revitalize, if you like, the moral uh, regeneration movement. Because we need to build new morality that is needed in the country. I mean, you also read, made reference to polarization of our society as a whole, polarization, race, there's tribalism that is coming up, and something that we often don't talk about, as we should talk about, because that also is a problem. Issues are on a crime level that are exceptionally high, gender based violence, exceptionally high. So there's quite a lot of uh, moral issues that needs to be rebuilt, refocused. And unfortunately, to your point, not much funding is being made available to strengthen the moral regeneration movement. Because all these issues that we, you, you referred to are the symptoms of very underlying uh, issues, such as our ethos or our ethics as society, have somehow dwindled and we do need to bring them back. And that is why we see more and more of people founding wanting on value systems. As we gravitate towards the end of the show, so I mean, going, coming back to Tamil I mean, she earned she in excess of about uh, 3 million rents just to sit in those boards. For an example, that says he had about 103,000 103, rand a year, Netcare 582, um, and Anglo American Platinum uh, 1.3 as uh, you know so the, the numbers are quite staggering you know this is money that she lost um by you know and and she would have still got the same money with or without a phd because she's very smart you know and that's something that i i struggle with because she's a very smart woman and a lot of smart people out there who did not have to you know i see validation by by falsifying their, their 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 CVs. I mean PhDs. It's a you know it's one of those. But look what she stood to lose. And moreover, her, her reputation. Who will want to be associated with here beyond this this scandal? It's something else as well. How, how do you clean that kind of mess? You,
3: you know your brand, whether corporate or personal, is priceless it's priceless in in the sense that once you you have damaged it um uh gone for good yes it is unfortunate that yeah she will no longer receive all these um figures that you 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 have just mentioned but the worst loss for her is losing her reputation and it is the evil that will live even after her, her passing on as, as as we mentioned earlier on so my my advice to everyone is that um always think about what your utterances or your deeds what impact they will make to to your personal brand or even your your corporate brand and you need to look at what are the attributes of of that brand that you are communicating to to people and there are universal uh, variables uh which are always in the mix a, a brand reputation and never deviate from those uh, we have spoken about the value systems we have spoken about the norms with your personality as a brand which also speaks to to your behavior that each and every Little thing you say or you do always has to help to enhance your, your brand equity. And, and branding is very key. That's why today, even corporates, they consider the value of a brand as an asset. So basically your reputation is your priceless asset and always make sure that you jealously guard it and and make sure that our people perceive it the way you want them to perceive it to be. Because um, there's a very thin line between perception and, and reality. And if you were to be perceived as being not trustworthy, trust me, the reality out there is that people will always uh, regard you as someone that they can trust. And nowadays, it's very easy to to confirm your uh, perception. You simply Google a person and that tells you that uh, there's a problem here. In fact, um, my nieces um, will always be upset with me uh, when I go home to Amanskral or when they call me to say, hey, uncle, uh, I've just met some guy. Then I say, who is he? No, he's a very interesting guy. Then I say, have you Googled him? Then I say, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, no I, I I, didn't. Then I say, no, Google him. And once you have Googled him, come uh, I and talk to me about about that person. Because
2: What if your person is not googlable? I mean, what if the person is not Googleable?
3: If she says the person doesn't um, appear on the net, then I say that person is dangerous. Stay away from that person. No, uh, there has to be something about you. Even your home affairs uh, uh, (laughs) data on you appears on Google. So if the person doesn't (laughs) appear on the net, stay away from that person. Because then it means... You need sufficient resources to investigate who this person is. Whereas if the person appeared on the net, it's very easy to know who this person
2: Unfortunately, is. we're going to have to leave it here. <laughs> so there's been absolutely <laughs> beautiful conversation that is illuminating. Uh, thank you very much for coming through.
3: Thank you very much for, for this opportunity, Dr. Mbele.
2: Thank you very much, sir. That's Sol Morobi, a uh, brand expert and also CEO at Brand Hill Africa, um, giving us insight, very intriguing insight on the ramification of um, what happens when somebody falsifies their qualification. This conversation came at the backdrop of what we heard recently about Tamila Wuku, who caused the storm on social media after reports surfaced that she, um, misrepresented her qualification. She claimed to have received, obtained PhD from London economist uh, 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 So that, that is obviously the problem. She now joins a string of uh, high-profile individuals that uh, we found wanting. So this is something that um, is quite deep. It's something that is very serious because it calls upon um, the vetting system that needs to be strengthened. It calls upon the corporate to really look um, and, and strengthen their uh, vetting system as well, because it's not just something that happens in the public sector, it happens in the private sector as well. And it's very interesting that Saul uh, raised issues around. Um, undertone, racial undertones which we need to be very much aware of because this thing has happened across system I mean the across races across tribe um, falsification or misrepresenting misrepresentation has become an issue that needs to be addressed so what is important as we close this conversation um you know Saul I was quite intrigued by how he uh, weaved in the expression by um uh, by by one of the thought leaders, uh, William Shakespeare, at a time said, reputation is a mortal part of your existence, which means what you do today, people will read about beyond your existence. Hundred years from now, we will still remember you as, as this kind of person. Interesting also about people that use different honorary PhDs, going around calling themselves doctors, uh, outside the scope, we also need to be aware. Perhaps there's a bit of an education that is needed. Um, if you've got an honorary PhD, I know a lot of people have got an honorary PhD. Well, do yourself a favour. Um, if you're, you're comfortable, you know, people refer you to as doctor, even though it's honorary PhD, um, look doesn't turn up to you, but this is the thinking. This is what is out there. Unfortunately, we're going to leave it here. It has been absolutely beautiful. Uh, let's do this again next week. Shalom. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa
0: is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses
2: and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.